I was explaining to parents that the whole point of the Divorce Act, of the Family Law Act, dealing with parenting and child support as well, all of that is the goal through this whole process is to do less harm to those children. We want to keep them as safe in the same position as they've always been in, as they've been accustomed to, I guess, really. Yeah. Which is like child support, we want to make sure they're still in hockey. Just because you broke up, you still get to do hockey, you still get to go dance, you still get, and you still get to see mom and dad, and that's the whole point. We want, they didn't do this. And I try to explain that to parents, like, these kids didn't do this. This isn't their fault. Don't punish them for it. And right. that's how these kids feel sometimes. Like, well, and they're just left in the middle. Hmm. And it's not fair. to Justice. I'm your host, Heather Malarick of Merrick Law. My co-host is Evan Clark of Kahane Law. We're joined today by a very special guest, Kim McDonald of McDonald Advisory. Kim's a financial advisor and insurance advisor with Raymond James Limited. We're a Canadian podcast with a mission to educate Canadians about the law. We interview experts in law, mental health, and finance, focusing on topics that create the greatest barriers to entry into the justice system. You can find us on YouTube, on our A2J podcast channel, and online at a2jpodcast.com. Hi, Kim and Evan. How are you guys doing today? It's a little smoky out there today. I think we've got some BC wildfires rolling in. Uh, other than that, uh, we're we're happy and healthy, and uh, I guess let the good times roll with these like con- like multiple weeks of consecutive twenty seven <laughs> degrees playing out. <laughs> Kim, did you bark at the beginning of your response? Uh, that, that, yes, when I'm angry, I bark. <laughs> 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 That's how hot it is. <laughs> barking mad. Wait, My, uh, it usually means something else. Yeah. It's a French bulldog, George Costanza. I've got no control over over the animals that uh, reside in my home. Nice. Well, Heather, uh, thanks for asking. I feel terrible. Um, last night, I got my second shot. And oh. I was totally fine until about half an hour ago and uh, now i feel just crummy but i'm excited to be here and talk with our guest yes i'm so pleased to welcome our guest today um we have jeff keller joining us today he is a lawyer at the family law office where he's been practicing um focusing on being independent legal counsel for children for about the last 11 years he's been a practicing family lawyer for about 16 years um, and prior to private practice, he spent all sorts of time um, in the world of academics, teaching university courses. He worked for the Court of Appeal as legal, legal counsel and then executive legal officer for the Chief Justice of Alberta. So he's had all sorts of fancy law jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and he and I had the pleasure of working together for like, what was it, close to a decade? At family law office so 
credentials aside, I know firsthand that he's a very smart and lovely person. So I'm excited to have him here to chat with us today. Um, we're happy to have Jeff here to pick his brain about child's counsel in family law proceedings. So um, I guess that's where we're going to start off. Do either of you have any questions to start Jeff off today? <laughs> I, I would like to know about Jeff's artwork behind him. It's a very, it's a statement piece and, um, and it's, it's, it's talking it to me. Is, it actually <laughs> is. Um, this was a gift from a private law firm I worked at for my 40th birthday. And it's an artist that a friend, one of the other lawyers in the office had one of his pieces. And I was always admiring it. And it turned out he's also an HIV positive artist from Toronto. And I've been associated with the AIDS movement for years. And so I just fell in love with this guy and his art. So for my 40th birthday, they got me this original piece. I feel nice. very lucky to have that. Yes, it and it is pretty. It's huge, <laughs> as you can see. It's, it takes up the wall of my dining room. But yeah, yeah. For those yeah. of our listeners that are actually listening, it's like a gorgeous kind of white background with just colorful strokes everywhere. A bit of an abstract piece. It's it's lovely. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. <laughs> he does one um, of my faves. I know that you are actually, you have quite an eye for art and a beautifully decorated home, Jeff, but you also, I think it's like your garden rivals your home. So I know that's another way you like to spend your time. Um, how's your garden doing this summer with all this heat? Uh, okay. I don't want to look at my water bill. <laughs> it's been a little, you know, it was 37 degrees for a while there. So it got so hot. I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning with the sprinklers on. I've been watering nonstop. So it's actually really lush oasis still. But <laughs> at a cost, at a cost. <laughs> but also it's been so hot that I don't go out there and do a lot of cutting back and stuff. So it's actually just, I'm just letting it go crazy this year. And it's kind of cool pretty wild back there yeah. nice yeah. might have to come check it out yes for sure so jeff you uh you have been around the block legally <laughs> sure we can say that <laughs> and uh what i mean obviously you're at the family law office now and so i'm assuming you're there because you want to be there but do you have any other of, the, of those experiences that you that um, you've really enjoyed through your legal career? I've enjoyed all of them in some way or fashion or form, for sure, absolutely. I mean, working the Court of Appeal is what an honor, you know what I mean? Like, huge, like the Chief Justice was my mentor and I still am in contact with her sometimes, getting advice and stuff to work with some those brilliant people be that close working with them was amazing especially early in my career so i learned so much from them which i still carry with me today so that's a cool like just an amazing experience teaching is fun i love teaching i enjoy working with people and teaching and stuff so i've still been doing some of that with student legal services keep right but mm -hmm. this working with children now and that's why i'm at legal aid is because i had the opportunity to be able to do it full time working just with children has is my best is my fave for mm -hmm. sure 
we're gonna have kids. How can that be bad, right? <laughs> I have an, my legal office at a law firm has crayons, and Heather's been there, she's seen it. I have crayons, I have stuffed animals, I have toys, I have Lego. We do Lego and color. What a great legal career that is, right? <laughs> and I'm actually helping these kids, so I really feel like I'm actually making a true difference. And, most of us go into law school, sort of with those rose-colored glasses that we're going to make a difference when we're done and we're going to be amazing when we're done. Yeah. So if I can actually work with these kids and help them, yeah, that's, I've done more than enough. Mm. Yeah, what a lovely role that is. So, I mean, maybe let's start there, if you don't mind, Jeff. Like, how do you um, get involved with a family that might be going through the law process for uh, separation or divorce? Uh, well, you have to be ordered by the court. So you, your parents can't just come wandering in and say, my kid needs a lawyer and hire a lawyer. Mm -hmm. You have to get a court order. That's partly to ensure there's no bias. Like, it would be... The appearance of bias would be there if dad dragged his kid in to see, say, you, Heather, and say, you're going to represent my kid, and you're going to do this. Right. That here's the retainer. Here's the money. Right. Yeah, I'm paying go you ahead to and, do this. Exactly. <laughs> you go no. out and tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> exactly. So the courts have made it clear for counsel to be appointed for the children, it has to be by court order. So a judge, you can make an application to the court to have counsel appointed and have to make an argument why. Mm -hmm. There's factors to consider and give the list of the factors. For at legal aid, one of the big factors we, we rely on is it's high conflict. So mm -hmm. mom and dad just can't get along to the point that they've lost sight of what their kids even need or want. It's like, bring someone in to talk to these kids and find out what's going on. Mm, that, that's that's uh, really interesting to hear. Um, because I can, like it's it's pretty common, I think, that parents or a parent may want their child's voice to be heard, and they'll ask. I received that question today, actually. Um, when can I have? My, how can I get my child's voice heard by the court? Right. Oh, lots and, of people do that. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I talked about a practice note seven, which we can discuss, I guess, if we if we want to. But um, to get a lawyer appointed for the child. Uh, it's good to hear that that is only that, or I shouldn't say only, but one of the significant factors that you guys look at at the family law office is, is it a high conflict case? Yeah, because well, and the judges, most of the judges are doing that too, because do we want to drag these kids in to this fight if we don't have to, right? So it's kind of like, let's, if things are going along well and you're going to have, yeah, you have to listen to my kid. You have to hear what my kid has to say. But it's like, yeah, but it's not that high conflict. It's not that bad. We know what's going on. We can figure this out without bringing them in because that's stressful for a child to be stuck in the middle of their parents' divorce. So mm -hmm. do that. So there's, but I was just going to say that you need a court order. It has to be ordered by the court, but lots of parents too will just do a consent order. So if the parents agree and want They'll do a court order, but just by consent and just, and then we'll do it that way as well. And then you agree mm. finding by the lawyer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it comes from the motivation to do it. I'm saying, I guess it comes from, yeah, and you, the reason often it's one parent that's wanting this to happen is because they're hearing something from their child that agrees with what they want that the other party is opposing. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> 
from your experience of working with children, working in family law and working in high conflict cases, what would you say in that kind of a situation? Not necessarily like you don't have to give us, um, you know, totally hypothetical, but what, what would you say to that kind of a situation? I, well, I warn parents and they do bring that up. So to take some of what their children are saying with a grain of salt, use a bit of caution, because sometimes kids are, they, they know what's going on. Like I said, we want to keep them out of it, but they're in it, right? I mean, they know their parents are divorced. They know there's arguing going on. They know there's stuff happening. So lots of times, so lots of children will play peacekeeper and try to bring the stress down, try to bring the conflict down. They just don't, they don't want any more fighting. So they're going to tell dad what they think dad wants to hear. But then they're also going to turn around and tell mom what they they think she wants to hear and you're gonna see, you see that a lot we, we always do she told me this no she told me that and right and that and that's often when some kind of judge will go, oh why don't we get someone to talk to that kid then mm. right because there's mixed messages happening and you'll find out and lots of times because these kids through, through, through doing this i was knew kids were smart but some of these kids they're really smart like mm -hmm. we do not give them enough credit sometimes. And I sit down with them and they're open and honest about what they're doing sometimes. <laughs> and they know darn well they're, manip they're manipulating this situation. I have one child, I love her. She keeps telling, she's now, I've had her for five years. So she started when she was 10, she's now 15. So for the past five years, the parents are still fighting about stuff. And she's doing her parenting and she's, Every instructions I get from her is, don't you dare tell mom and dad or the judge what I really want until they get the other stuff figured out. She's trying to get them to figure everything else out first. Wow. <laughs> they know what they're doing. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just because a child's saying something doesn't mean that's exactly what they want. Right. And plus, and if, it's not, if they're not manipulating, it's also, they're confused, depending on the age. They don't really know what they want. They don't uh -huh. really, and depending on how you ask it, like from all the training I get from about questioning children and stuff, if you ask them a question that's yes, no, and they don't know the answer, they, they feel they need to answer, and they will always answer yes. Right. If they don't know the answer, they say yes. Right. Wow. So dad says, do you want to live with me? And you, yes. Right. Right. And they got the answer they want. So it's a little bit more than what they're telling mom and dad. Sometimes. Yeah, I, I wish that we could just download this into the brain of every couple going through a divorce. So do I. <laughs> so do I. <Yeah. laughs> so much of it, really, I find the divorces I'm dealing with, it's so much about education. It's just you need to learn. You need to learn what you're doing to your children and learn. Learn more about your kids. That's one thing it does. And it's easy. It's so easy when you're in a marriage, you're in a family, and then your family's falling apart. You do tend to lose focus on your kids, which is sad, but it's true. Mm -hmm. and even like families that never fall apart, you get into a busy lifestyle. Lots of times the kids are sort of over here. They're going to soccer. They're going to ballet. They're going to da-da-da-da. And they're going to school. You never actually have that. Sit down and get to know your kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I find that lots, and the kids, and they'll tell me that that's what they miss. That's their biggest loss, is I don't get my mom to talk about stuff. I don't know. No one listens to me. Because mm -hmm. there's so much, yeah, preoccupation with yeah. everything else that's going on. 
Yeah, so if parents just learn to do that, like I like honestly, parenting courses starting in grade ten. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. <laughs> like, get it before they even have children. Here's what it's like. Here's what's going on. Here's how it is. Yeah. Yeah. It strikes me sometimes too that kids. I mean, they're not necessarily telling untruths when they say, I want to spend more time with mom and telling, saying, I want to spend more time with dad, because they probably do want to spend more time with both their parents. They just don't realize that that's not maybe a practical reality, but that's their heart speaking sometimes too, right? So, yeah. Sometimes that's unfortunately my job is sort of, yeah, but here's the reality. Mm -hmm. Here's what's really... How are we going to make this work best for you? Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. though, like, what you want is impossible. Like, yeah. I am like the saddest. You have kids. I just wish the fighting would stop. My mom and dad would get back together. Right. Yeah. And I guess I guess that's why I can't like, do much about that. The you know the, there's one in the divorce act. There's there's and the family law. There's there's one um, consideration when we decide on parenting, right? And that is what's in the best interest of the child. And then there's, now we've got all this list in the new Divorce Act of the analysis and the, the different factors that can, that can the, you know, the non-constrained um, list. And one of those things is the desires of the child, what the child wants. But it's not the trump card. Oh, God, no. Oh, no. No, no, no. And every child I made from, you know three years old to 16, 17 years old, I have to make clear, you are may not making the decision. Don't think that suddenly you're handed a power card, the Trump card sort of thing. No, like they have yeah. a voice. They don't make the final choice. Well, I think sometimes a parent might feel that that should have more weight than they do. Yeah. 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 They'll use yeah. it as a Trump card. They'll try to use it as yeah. a Trump card. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So- it's not enough because kids like, you get in situations that just because of what they want, sometimes you're right, and you sort of, of course you do. But then you look at the scenario, but you really can't have. Mm. I had a file where mom was a serious alcoholic. Like, it's unfortunate, but we had to deal with the fact mom was an alcoholic, and won't deal with it. To the point, like, DUIs, and she'd be hospitalized for alcoholism, poisoning, stuff. So yeah. She wanted, she, this was a teenage girl who, guess where she wanted to stay? at mom's and one of the big reasons is because it's free at mom's there's no control at mom's i get to do whatever i want at mom's mom lets me have the boyfriend over and we drink beer right best interest of the child isn't exactly oh then you go live with your mom because you want to like no unfortunately we can't do that yeah and luckily as a teenager even though that's what she says she wants and is fighting for that so hard she knew deep down that that was wrong right Right. Part of my job too sometimes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have a 16 year old and a 14 year old right now. And, uh, you know, we you don't have gray hair yet. I do. It's just on the sides and I keep oh, okay. it. <laughs> um, but we remind them regularly that their brains are not fully formed yet. And they don't know what they, they don't know really what they want. They think they want something, but they don't want the consequences of right. the thing that they want. Right. Yeah, that's totally. 
and that's actually one of the tests I use and whether I'm going to court. They're saying they want this, and they have these actually very, sometimes very rational reasons why, and legit, logical, and if they're doing that, I go, huh, this is a valid request mm. versus, ah, eh, that's a little irrational. Why well, doesn't make any sense? And all you can say is because, you know, because how many kids do that? Why? Because, right? <laughs> yeah, then no, you're not, you don't necessarily get that. <laughs> right. But if they can actually explain, sometimes like that's what I mean. Like they are smart, and sometimes smarter than their parents, and sometimes they've stepped back enough that they aren't the emotional baggage their parents are carrying about each other. They don't have that, so they can step back. This is how this should work. I've seen that. Um, it blows my mind because um, mamas and they'll even say, "Mom is like this, Dad is like this." If I do, oh, right? They're, <laughs> yeah, they're brilliant. Yeah, kids become incredibly attuned to their parents' yeah. emotional landscapes, right? So they, yeah, they really are. Yep. They have a lot of insight into that sometimes. Absolutely. I learned so much about the families more than I would ever if I didn't talk mm. to the children. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, I'm I never going to let you interview my children. <laughs> <laughs> I have nieces and nephews. Well, now they're all adults. I have great nieces and nephews now who are little. And I do. I have to be careful how I talk to them. Sometimes, too, right? Oh, I'm grilling them again, right? <laughs> Just play ball, Jeff. Just play ball. Right? Instead of wanting to interview them. I'll be careful. <laughs> but I, my, I don't really interview them like that. Good. <laughs> so, no, I don't. Like, I play, we sit and play Lego and chat. Right. I right. remember my principal saying, never use your skills of cross-examination on your spouse because you might win the argument, but it's probably not going to do favors for your marriage. <laughs> probably the same kind of thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly the same, yeah. <laughs> okay, Jeff, can I rewind to something that you said before? Because I hear yeah. this a lot from clients, um, and usually the age is 12, but there's sort of this idea out there that as soon as a kiddo is 12, that they can start, like, then then their opinion kind of carries all the weight, and then that's what gets to happen. Yeah. Is that it, true or false? Where does that come from? <laughs> I'll tell you where that comes from. It comes from Young and Young, the Supreme Court of Canada, years ago, sort of mentioned in one of the, in that decision that, what kids have to say, we have to start listening to, is a factor we should consider. And at a point where their brains are developed, where they can start thinking rationally, which is usually around 12. That's where it came from. But now it also comes from, because our Family Law Act, if someone is applying for guardianship, non-parent, anyone over 12, they have to consent and say yes. Right. So, well, well they, they got to control that one, but even they don't, even they don't consent, doesn't mean that they don't get guardianship, right? They don't understand. Right. We just right. want to know what they're thinking and feeling. So that's where that comes from. Then also comes 16. I've also heard that one a lot. And that's from old, like, emancipation rules, which Canada doesn't have. Mm. So, <laughs> but you hear this, my child wants emancipator. I want to emancipate. Okay, but we don't. I think Quebec actually has emancipation. That's it. Of course they do, Quebec. Yeah, we don't have emancipation. But the Children's Services Act, we do know that they'll start finding homes for children to live independently around 16. So that's where that comes from. Right. But right. in Alberta and most of Canada, children do not get to make a decision about their own lives until they're 18. Right. Right. Adults. But of course, as they get older, 
right? Mm-hmm. I've been in court many a times with a judge saying, like, 15-year-old. Well, I can't make a 15-year-old do anything, right? <laughs> it's just yeah. went almost true, right? So how am I going to make them go see dad if they don't want to go see dad? Yeah, I've seen that as well, around 15, 16. 15. And, that's, and that's usually what I tell clients is there's no magic age where all of a sudden now the child can decide where they want to live. But the older they get, the closer they get to the age of majority, the more weight what they want has. And the old saying, they'll vote with their feet. Right. Um, yeah, at some like, point, you just can't, like... You can their, drag them there to yeah. dads, and they're just going to screw you and off again. Like, how many times do you do that before it gets dangerous? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it's no longer in their best interest. Mm-hmm. But luckily, like, normally that doesn't happen. Normally... No. Children don't just run away and say, F you, I'm living with mom or dad. You know, normally that doesn't happen. I'm sure it happens sometimes, but I think uh, most of I have those files. (laughs) Those are Jeff's clients. Those are Jeff's clients. (laughs) I have a file of parent children have run away five times. Um, And both have ended up hospitalized attempting suicide three times. Yeah. um, I think that's the other way of running away. The biggest asset a child can have is like two parents that are working together to be that, you know, rationality, that developed brain that they don't have and to help make those decisions for them. Um, But, you know, in the throes of divorce and if it's really emotional and acrimonious, they can't do it. Yeah. No, I mean, I always explain to parents that the whole point of the Divorce Act or the Family Law Act dealing with parenting and child support as well, all of that is the goal through this whole process is to do less harm to those children. We want to keep them as safe in the same position as they've always been in, as they've been accustomed to, I guess, really. Mm-hmm. Which is like child support. We want to make sure they're still in hockey. Just because you broke up, you still get to do hockey. You still get to go dance. You still get, and you still get to see mom and dad. And that's the whole point. We want to, they didn't do this. And I try to explain that to parents. Like, These kids didn't do this. This isn't their fault. Don't punish them for it. And that's how these kids feel sometimes. Like, well, and they're just left in the middle. Hmm. And it's not fair. Hmm. I always... Guys a, a back to basics question. I feel like I'm stuck like a half an hour ago in the like, non- <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> world. I'm trying to wrap my head around... Like, how are kids getting counsel? When does this happen? Does this happen often? <laughs> like, I just, I am a non-legal person. And to me, I'm just like, what is happening here? Okay. How does this, how does this come to be? Okay. Well, that's, then let's rewind way back then for sure. Yes. Okay. Well, and yes, it happens a lot. I will say, like, I think right now I have about a hundred kids and that's just me. So... What's happening is when parents separate and divorce, they have to determine parenting plans for the children, where they're going to live, what's going to happen. And the test, like said, is um, best interest of the child. One of the factors to consider that the courts have told us, and now has been enumerated in the Family Law Act, and now even enumerated in our Divorce Act, one of the factors to consider is the views and interests of the child. So where are they standing in this whole situation? Okay, and that. We can go even further. That comes from the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child, which says a child has their views and opinions should be considered. And I'm actually getting to the point where that Convention on the Rights, they say they should be involved in any process that affects them. 
I'm actually getting to the point where I'm, and I will do, I'm willing to do. They should be in that collaborative law process. They should be in that mediation. They should be in, you should hear them from the very beginning. Mm. And I will happily do that. Hmm. So, but how the courts have sort of determined how we're going to find out what their views and interests are. There's a number of different ways. They could just go to psychologist or parents can, if they're reasonable, you know, can know what their parent children want. But if it gets to the point where the parents are basically can't get along, can't speak, aren't working together and getting this high conflict disaster and the children stuck in the middle and not being heard, then sometimes they'll appoint a lawyer for that child. Okay, and so then I meet with the child. Depending on the age, like I said before, I've represented from two years old to 17 years old. What? And depending on the age, it's what do I do, right? right. So when they get older and teenagers and whatnot, I can be just like a any other lawyer. I just go in there, I fight, I'm and I can hold back information the kids don't want you to know and all that sort of stuff, and I'm a lawyer full-on lawyer, fight, fight, fight. But lots of times they appoint me really as an amicus, as a friend of the court, and what the court really wants to know. They don't want another lawyer going in there to create more havoc and argue and fight. That doesn't get us anywhere. So lots of times they just want me to go meet with the children, talk to them, get information. I'll also start talking to the schools if I feel that's necessary. I'll talk to the teachers, the doctors, there's doctors involved, a therapist, there's a therapist involved. Get all, just pull all this information that isn't coming to the court because mom and dad are just all over here going nuts. And I take that and as an amicus, I spit it all out. Here's mm -hmm. the good, here's the bad, here's the ugly. And boom, I always, no matter what position, here's what child tells me what they want. Here's why they want it. And then part of my job will be, and this is why they should have that, or this is why they shouldn't have that. Mm. Or here's a different option. Or here's some solutions. Lots of times, that most of the time, that is what the court wants, and that's my job. Sometimes as they're getting older, like 17 sort of thing, and they're, I'm going in, I'll fight for you. This is what you want, and this is what you're getting. Sort of thing. Even though I don't get the final say. But at 17, I know I kind of do. So, <laughs> right, as we said, once you're 17, you're going to listen. Does that make more sense, Kim? It does. Like, there's there's okay. been stuff in social media lately around, um, oh, it had, like, a little thing flash across my screen where there was, like, the celebrity kids wanted to speak in court, but the court wouldn't let them. And then it, it, I knew that you were coming on the program, and I was thinking, you know, what – you know, what is the point at which it's a problem when we, we bring kids into this process? Where When does it become too much for them? And I was just really interested to hear everything that you were going to say today. Yeah, well, yeah, so there's been lots of psychological tests and stuff and talking to kids about this and whatnot. And because there is that concern, like, oh, my God, we're going to harm them more. And actually, we aren't. It's been found we aren't. The, there's no greater harm in me meeting with them and dealing with them and psychologists meeting with them and dealing with them than the harm of no one talking to them in a divorce. Mm. They're stuck in a divorce. <laughs> and it's basically, they're already traumatized. You can't traumatize them anymore, sadly. Right. But also been found that they appreciate and actually are doing better if they have someone to talk to. Shocking. Right. right. That makes sense. So, of course. So, if we get involved, and they they just appreciate being heard. 
I've never had it. I've had some. I can't say that. Most of the time, they get whatever the decision is, even if it's not what they want, and they'll be fine. They just appreciate that someone heard what they want and you, you tried. Mm-hmm. But then I have had a few, you're right, who broke down in tears that they didn't get what they want. But right, right, it's unfortunate. So right, things like that happen. They need to be involved, and that's why I'm at the point. Let's just involve them. They're in it. They're stuck in it anyways. So why are we waiting? And that's what's happening right now. We're waiting till it's already at this high conflict war zone before uh, Jeff, go help. Right. <laughs> huh, I bet I could have probably done something better two years ago right. before they were in this big mess in court and the trials coming up. And the, then they call Jeff or call. Right. So I bet right. two years ago, I might've been able to sat down with these kids and at the very beginning, it's okay, what's going on and come up with some solutions. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually really, I'm pushing for that now. So I have a few questions about that. I guess first one I'm going to follow up on is when you talk about involving the kids in the process, um, another thing that I get asked is, will my kid be able to come and testify at court? Are they going to be able to come and participate in the trial or in a hearing? Um, in Alberta, that's not happening much. In some other jurisdictions, that actually happens a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, okay. I can't remember the state. There's actually one state in down the states that has it, and so they're always being talked to by a judge. It's been set up that way. Oh, so, interesting. Just, but there's also a question of how valuable is it because it's one meeting with a judge. Woo, woo. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um, here they don't like it. They really don't like bringing the kids into that process. Mm-hmm. They don't, te- to testify, here's the problem, to testify. You're now putting a child on, literally on the spot. Right. Mom and dad are there in court. Right. Plus, the mom and dad have to question their kid in a legal process. And right. our parent, I'm not doing that to my kid. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. so you might have the one parent, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it. We're going to question, grill, grill, grill. And I can't do this harm. And so they won't question the child. And then that, har- that harms their case. Right. right? So if you don't question a witness, you've harmed your case. So they really hate doing that. What's starting, and I have sort of, there's a bit of a trend happening a bit. Um, some judges have agreed just to meet them separately. I've done where I go with them. So it's just me, judge, child, or children in a room and just have a conversation. I've done that, especially in JDRs. Mm. So we don't need to have recording. We don't need a testimony on tape. So we've had JDRs where, yes, the kids come in, we all sit down in a separate room, and then the judge goes back in to see the parents, and I've talked to your kids. Right? I've done that a lot. And now there is one judge in Calgary who actually fairly often will have the kids come in, and it's in court but she kicks the parents out. The parents' lawyers are allowed to be there. And then the child's lawyer, if there is a child's lawyer and a court clerk, which so it is being recorded, but she doesn't necessarily tell the parents what the parent children said. Oh, okay. Right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they, I mean, they could go find out and read yes. the transcript or something, yeah. but yeah, she's trying to find a, it's hard. Like, it, these are still kids. Like the whole, mm-hmm. it's weird. Mm-hmm. But we know kids testify in other situations. So, yeah, I mean, it can be done. It's just not the best. It's last resort. 
Right, right. Especially, and I'll have kids, especially teenagers. I want to talk to the judge. I want to tell the judge, blah, blah, blah. Of right. course you do. And so, right. well, that's, that's my job. Mm. That's why I'm here. I'm your lawyer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not mm-hmm. your mom's lawyer or dad's. I'm your lawyer. Mm-hmm. So my job is to be your mouth in court, right? Right. But what I have done then in situations, if you want, write out what you want to tell the judge and I will read it to the judge or I see if the judge will take a letter from you. Right. Right. It's a warning, right? This will be public, which means your mom and dad are going to see it too. So anything you want to say, you got to make sure. So right. I've, tried to, I've tried to do it that way. And some judges will agree. Some judges won't. They won't take the letter. Hmm. Some have. Mm-hmm. Some have let me just read in. Or especially teenagers, though, even if I'm amicus, I still, I am a lawyer. And I still give them that right to be heard and what they want said. And I'll even take notes. What do you want me to tell the judge? And we, and we clarify at the end, this is what you want. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I'll make mm-hmm. sure the judge hears all of that. And they feel better. Yeah. Um, I have lots of questions that are coming up. So, uh, I guess as far as <laughs> you, you, t- you spoke a little bit or touched on something about, um, sharing information or not sharing information that kiddos share with you. So, I mean, I guess I'm assuming that if they were to disclose abuse or something like that, that might be one yes. of the things that you'd have to do. But aside from situations like that, um, uh, do, are you and the child making decisions about what information you're sharing with who? Lots of times, yes, absolutely. Even like the young ones. Mm-hmm. I am still a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Like, if they just wanted a psychologist, they would have hired a psychologist. So I'm still a lawyer and explain it. And even if it is amicus, I still have to develop a strong relationship with these kids to get information from them. Right. This isn't adults. These are kids that are holding on to stuff and they're not necessarily going to say anything if they don't trust me. And if I break that trust, I'm in trouble. Right. So from the very beginning, I teach them solicitor client confidentiality mm-hmm. <laughs> in words they understand. Right? <laughs> so say like, what, everything we say in here, like, so basically, I can't repeat unless you let me. Right. You yeah. get to go out if you want to go and tell anybody anything we talk about. You can, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Kind of a weird rule, right? Explain that. So. So, so if there's anything while we talk and like things will slip out and stuff sometimes and teenagers I hear things like oh dear god but if it's not necessary if you that's that's some oh but don't tell mom say it and make sure I make a mark on my notes don't tell mom right and I don't tell mom mm. right and I make sure it doesn't if it gets to a point that there's some information that I really this is important like mm-hmm. judge needs to hear this mom and dad need to hear this this is going to really help and affect what is decided i'll have that conversation with them and get them to so please let me tell them please mm-hmm. sort of thing and mm-hmm. usually they will right if i explain here's why they need to hear this and then i get it's kind of sometimes it's pretty personal stuff but if they know this this actually might help and so okay fine mm-hmm. i try like i need to build that trust i can't just have them and me go I'd be the tattletale, right? I mean, then you're in trouble. Right, yeah. And yeah, then they never want to talk to me again. Right, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then they hear, oh, well, mom comes back and says, oh, well, I heard in court today that, you know, you told your lawyer that. Duh, 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 duh. Yep. It happens all the time, yeah. 
You, so, mom said you yeah. said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, we get that certainly without <laughs> child counsel exactly. in the middle. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Was that the dad saying that or the child thinking? <laughs> the child, usually. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about the lines of communication then that you have with the parents and information sharing? Do you share the same information with both parents? Who's bringing yeah. kiddo to appointments? What does that like actual process yeah. look like? Well, my process is slowly changing, actually, which is interesting. Okay. But I've always been, I do not touch the parents. I, like, I don't want them to, and I don't want it to be seen, especially if, in a waiting room and stuff. I'll, I'll be, you know, I'm nice, like, hi, blah, blah, blah. Right. And you'll have the odd parent, can we talk? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and want to pull me aside mm -hmm. then my child clients are what the hell are they talking about like i've just re i sometimes wrecked the trust of my client because i'm talking basically i'm talking to the other party privately right right yeah <laughs> so i'm like mm. yeah so i've always been no i do mm -hmm. not have any conversations for, with the parents i ask very beginning when it's like to get the order open a file before i even meet with the kids i will ask for copies of the court documents. That's what gives them the background. So I look, what's going on? What's the argument? What's the issues? I can read the affidavits and stuff. And so I know and that helps also me to direct what I'm questioning the kids too, right? Because I can't, right. they never will, like, without that information, so what are mom and dad fighting about? Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I can't right. do that. So right. I have to kind of know and then sort of lead them down paths sometimes to get what I'm trying to find. Mm -hmm. Get that information and know what's going on. Right. And then I try, if possible, alternate who brings the child in to see me. So, and my assistant makes those calls. I won't even call them. Mm -hmm. I made that mistake. And of course, they'll use that as an opportunity to tell me everything. And I know you just, you just ruined it. You've biased me. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so right. my assistant now does all the calls, sets all the appointments, and we try to take turns. So if mom will bring them in the second time, dad brings them in the next time or whatever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always happen, but I do try my best. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, depending on what's going on, right, it'll be like, I use that also as a test. Because mm -hmm. if mom brings them in and you start questioning talking to them sometimes at the beginning or sometimes you slip it in, in the middle sort of so did mom tell you to tell me anything today right did dad tell you anything to tell me today like, oh, crap. and i'll find out there's been some sort of parental influence why not i can also see there's sometimes very different coming in with mom or coming in with dad mm. i will sometimes now we don't have reception, but when we used to have receptionists sitting out there pre-COVID, I'd sometimes purposely leave them in the waiting room and have my the receptionist watch. Uh, just uh, kind of weird. But go, uh -huh. how, how did they interact out there? Right, right. Or I'll just, and I come up quietly and I'll sort of see, like, and I can sort of see if they're like sometimes like, Kids over here, dads over here. Interesting. Right. Versus, oh, they're right on top of each other, laughing, giggling on a game. Right. 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 Snuggled up together, yeah, sharing moments. Or... Yeah. Mm -hmm. You start observing things like that too. For mm. Sure. Yeah. Mm. And if that doesn't work, sometimes I, I have set up almost surprise visits at schools. So if I'm really concerned that there's been some parental influence, and every time they know a parent knows there's a meeting. Yeah. 
right? So if parents don't know there's a meeting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? mm -hmm. And I also made, a, I've always made a point when I make the appointment when mom brings in, that's done separately and dad doesn't necessarily know. And, oh, okay. Right. And so right. When dad brings the child in, mom doesn't necessarily know. And I right. do that on purpose too. Parents mm -hmm. get angry at me for doing that. Uh -huh. well, I have a right to know. Blah, blah, blah. No, no, you don't. Right. Okay. So I'm allowed to do that. Huh. Huh. Figure it out from there. Okay. We're, we're siblings in all this. Like we've been talking about a one child and one council situation. And I'm mm -hmm. trying to figure out what happens with the siblings. Are they in these meetings as well? Yeah, I have, I have, oh, I have lots of families. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I just finished a file, six kids. Who has six kids? Still? But I, <laughs> <Evan> does. <laughs> well, six. Hold on. You might want to, you, you might want to tell my wife that she thinks. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the sex? <laughs> I let her listen they to this episode. <laughs> Anyways, lots of kids. So then it gets interesting. It can get very interesting. And depending on the situation, sometimes they need separate lawyers. Okay. Um, so that one with the six kids, it just blew my mind. There were six kids. So we actually basically split up. Three would come one day, three the ne a different day because six. Uh, each child separately. Like I treat them as each separate individuals. They each right. have different opinions. They each have different thoughts. Sometimes so, I will like throw them in together for a bit, and just interesting to watch the interactions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the interest watch. Oh, you're influencing that one. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like right, and, and yeah, then maybe um, you have to split. Sorry. I'm just thinking if uh, my parents divorced when I was young, we had the maximum number at home. I think there probably would have been 10 children. Is it oh, 12, 12 of my family? Wow. So um, that would have been fun. <laughs> Be a busy week. <laughs> I, I, heard, I heard somewhere that there's a correlation between number of children and likelihood of getting divorced. And the higher the number of children, the, the lower the likelihood gets. My guess is because the parents are exhausted and can't bother to think about getting a divorce. They right. can't afford to get divorced. <laughs> that as well. Uh, there's no spousal support coming there because it's all going to be child support. Exactly. No, and then you'd have to deal with 12 on your own during your parenting time. Yeah, yeah, so if you're worried about maybe like divorce proofing your relationship, just keep having kids. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is where we run the banner. This is not yeah, yeah, This is not legal Added advice. This. Added this. this is not legal advice. This is... No, because too often we see yeah. they're trying to save a marriage by having a child. Yeah, more children will not uh, save your relationship the, in red letters. The, the, uh, the marriage, the marriage saving baby. Yeah. Which well, always creates right? more stress. No, it creates more well, stress every time. They're, yeah, they're divorced in a year. <laughs> Yeah, don't do yeah, that. Yeah, that's like, you know, getting pregnant to save the, the dating relationship. Yeah. Works every time. No, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But to answer your question, Kim, yes, like lots of times there's multiple children and <laughs> they're all getting interviewed. I like, it's different. I had a file just recently. There's three kids. The judge has decided on his own that the five-year-old's too young and you don't need to talk to her. So I just talked to the other two kids, which is kind of weird. Hmm. Right? So, but... Hmm. Right? Like, so this five-year-old has no say. Right. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Then I have another file right now where there's um, been some abuse. And so the two brothers have been abused by an older brother. So the older, I have the two 
and the older brother has a different lawyer. Mm. Like so there might be like discrete legal issues going on why you why you might need to split a sibling group for. Yeah. Well, it could be a conflict. Like I might have like say for those five kids, three of them want to live with dad, and two of them want to live with mom. Right. And depending, I might be able to work it. But if there's like, you know, no, no, I can't. Like, how do I fight for mom's the best parent or and dad's the best parent? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Becomes yeah. tough. So you're like, okay, wait, we're going to split this up. Right. My mom would say, you can't argue out of both sides of your mouth. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mom was a wise woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Now, was she saying that to you, Heather? <laughs> Probably. No, I don't. I I don't know. No comment. Oh, you should be a lawyer when you grow up. <laughs> I think maybe that was kind of, yeah, I think that's what it kind of was. <laughs> I never got that. I didn't want to be a lawyer when I grew up. It never seems to be a compliment when they say it like that. No, no, it never is. No. <laughs> so can anybody be a lawyer for a kid or is there special uh, courses? And, and That's a good question, Kim. Right now, there actually really is no regulations, no rules, no anything. It's wild, wild west in some in a way, but not really. So, because <laughs> others have created some. While the law society doesn't say any rules, there's no rules, but through legal aid, where I'm at, for them to issue a certificate to act for a child, they have set some guidelines. They want five years experience as a lawyer. They want that you've taken some interviewing, interviewing children classes and whatnot. Um, there's more and more training coming available. And I understand legal aid's getting even more formal on that. And soon we might actually see a whole real rules and regulations on setting it up, but that's just legal aid. So if you get a legal aid certificate, but then the Office of the Child and Youth Advocate, out of their office, they appoint, they work deal with the lawyers who act for children in child welfare matters, which is slightly different than what I do. And so that office also has training and requirements to get on their list of lawyers that they'll assign those files to. So again, they're controlling it. Back in the day, so a lot of this started here in Alberta in 2005, Justice, I can't remember her name now, she's long retired, set up a training session. It was four days at the courthouse. I remember that we were all sweltering in the basement of the courthouse for four days of intensive child, we had psychologists come in and give us a whole day's class in child development, a day, all sorts of stuff. And then she created the rule at court that you couldn't act for a child unless you had that course mm. now, that was 2005 so we can't it's kind of hard to stick to that rule now right as lots of new lawyers have never had an opportunity to take that course it's never right. been offered again so like, right <laughs> I know, like, so we're we've, we've done some internalized training lrcy the office of child and youth They've done some training sessions as well. So we're trying to get back into some sort of more formalized training for this, but. I mean, I would say, Kim, that there's, there's a general rule that prevents a lawyer, is supposed to prevent a lawyer from taking any file on that they're That's not true. competent to act on. Yeah. Um, and so then you might ask the question, well, how do you ever become competent to act on any file? <laughs> True. But I mean, so there's, it, it, 
And that would be where, you know, the courses that Jeff is talking about coming in would be very helpful because that would be a good starting point where now you might, you feel confident as a lawyer to take on a file with perhaps mentorship from somebody who has experience doing that file. But lawyers aren't supposed to just like, for example, I, I wouldn't represent a child I've never done before. I've never even thought about it. Um, or, and I'm, and I know that there's so much that I don't know about issues that I'd have to be watching for and how to handle the child that, uh, you know, I just wouldn't do it. Right. Um, but there are lawyers that probably would, that shouldn't, unfortunately. There unfortunately there are. It happens. I mean, we can't control it all, unfortunately. I mean, we, we just found out recently that one of the lawyers who did get a legal aid certificate, um, trained, so got, was handed it off to their articling student. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, well, that article student will have the experience when they... <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> Not a good idea. So, because it is, like, it's really easy to start feeding things to your kids. It's really easy to not do right with the children. Like, if I question them the wrong way, like, I, I'll just get information I want. Mm -hmm. I can manipulate children so easy. We all mm -hmm. can, right? Like, so, mm -hmm. like taking candy from a baby. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally, right? <laughs> I guess not literally, does it? Yeah, but that's the saying, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's why it's like... Yes, it's easy. Hey, can I have that candy? Yeah, yeah. Your mom's really mean, isn't she? Yeah. Mm. It's not too hard to get there, right? So yeah. you do need... And it, it's a skill and it's a, actually, I just did more training on interviewing again this spring because you have to refresh and remember because it's so easy, especially some like, teenagers and stuff. Then you do start treating a bit more as adults and questioning a bit more, but still you have to be careful. And it's, but it's so easy to fall back out of that pattern. It's so easy to start getting into a pitter patter chat, playing Lego and oh wait, no, I need to focus back on how I'm supposed to be getting this information. And it's just mining. Right. How you call it, it's just mining the information out of them as you're sort of bringing up topics, bringing up issues. Right? Mm. Draw me a picture of your family and tell me about them all. Sort of things like that. Like I never said, tell me about dad. Right. Right. It's more, yeah. And then some of the trainings, like how to use different toys and different things. There's tools and stuff that mm -hmm. are required. This has been like very, very interesting to me because I have no experience in that, you know, in children being represented at all. And so uh, it's a great glimpse behind the curtain you're giving us, Jeff. <laughs> And I really want to do it now because it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> not, partic not particular. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I really, I really uh, hope that our listeners are going to get a lot of value from this too. I mean, I, I certainly will be sending people here if they uh, are thinking about, is it right for their situation? Um, is it something that they should pursue for their children based on their situation? This is definitely, uh, I think, going to be a great resource for people to be able to just learn more about it and how it can help them. And it can be helpful, absolutely. I think there's been, for a while, I noticed there's a bit of a trend in provincial court where the judges would be like, mom and, neither mom and dad have lawyers. So they'd be like, oh, get the kids a lawyer. Throw Jeff mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask about that, actually. It does happen. Yeah. No, no, I, 
I haven't noticed it lately, and I don't know if COVID has sort of maybe slowed things down a bit in that sense. But for a while, I was getting a lot of those files. And but this is where I started changing my mind about things too, because like, oh, you guys aren't really fighting. You just need a mediator, and you need some. And I would jump in, and start, we'd sometimes solve some of these things within months, right. because I met with your kid, and this is what your kid's saying, and this is. And, if they understand, if they do know their child, they go, yeah, that's my kid. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. I see what he's saying. Yeah, uh -huh. okay. They're uh -huh. just scared to tell you right now because you guys are going crazy. But right. let me help. Right. Solve them. So really, I'm getting to that point. Like, maybe we should be jumping in early and sort of figuring out some of these things. They have yeah. a right to be involved in the whole process anyway. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. And I can certainly see that that's a huge value add there a really helpful bit of information if it's coming through someone who is objective right you don't have skin in the game you're not mom's lawyer or dad's lawyer or the other parent's lawyer you're there for the child you can come and, yeah. and point out the, neutral in many ways you know? yeah and you can kind of point out both both sides of what's going on and um, well, I mean, I want to hear a little bit, maybe this is a good, I, I hope that this program is a good soapbox for people too, to talk <laughs> about their dreams of where they would like to see family law going. And I know I've, I've stood on the soapbox a couple of times, but you said earlier that you'd like to see maybe kids involved earlier on or involved in collaborative, the collaborative process or in mediation. So like, Tell me a bit about that. I'm really interested in like what that would look like and how kiddos could get involved. And uh, can I do it in my practice? How Absolutely, we, you could. How can we be bringing them in? Well, in the collaborative process, just if everyone agrees, let's get someone to work with our child and bring the child's voice in. Mm -hmm. Done. Mm -hmm. Easy, right? Mm -hmm. And then you just retain, uh, retain a lawyer. Yeah. And have them come in. And then... I honestly do think it might, in some situations, be extremely helpful. And yeah. I would just come to your collaborative law meetings, like, hey, I met with the children. I've done some, sort of the, all the stuff I would do any other situation. Yeah. Instead of going to court and talking to a judge or sitting in a JDR, I'm sitting in a collaborative meeting with you guys and say, yeah, well, this is, is what they're saying. Is there anything pre preventing that right now? Or well, it just doesn't happen? Just, just doesn't happen. I think it just doesn't happen, yeah. Here's the part that confuses me now because I don't really know a lot about the law. So it, it sounded like before you had to get a court order to get a lawyer for your kid. But if it's in collaborative law, then you, you wouldn't do that, I'm guessing. You would just retain a lawyer. Is that how that changes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what? I, well, you need a court order. But like I said, if both parents agree, they can get a consent court order. Okay. Right. In the collaborative process, you wouldn't even need the court order because in collaborative it's all by agreement mm -hmm. so you would just make sure together you would pick the one lawyer that you know would be neutral doesn't haven't been involved and go and move forward for sure you can i know like right now sometimes you in collaborative you retain a psychologist to do the voice of the child thing sometimes mm -hmm. right? so mm -hmm. just be no different mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Kim, it's children don't have standing before the court to like by default to come before the court, I think. And that's why it's related to in order to come before court represented by a lawyer, they'd have to need a court order to do that. But in collaborative law, it's yeah. those rules don't apply. Well, I'm also looking in the process 
sometimes I get a little weird and I want to do weird things, but why can't, uh, say, especially a teenager, say I want a lawyer and come see me? Mm-hmm. And then let me make that application and go into court and they're divorced and say, uh, going to add the kid now. Hi, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do that because what's happening and why this is all planting in my head is I, I guess I've done this long enough that people know who I am. So there'll be psychologists calling me saying, I'm working with this kid in this divorce. And I think this kid would really do well with a lawyer. Um, can we get you and well no you can like unfortunately no you can't right (laughs) but you know i had suggested but i'll talk to them if they want to talk but i can't be their lawyer right and i think i should be able to Hmm. like intervener status or something i I have i found nothing here yeah i'm doing some sort i did find a couple cases in ontario where the office they have ontario has their own office of the children's lawyer Oh, yeah. And in that situation, what happened is the child had a lawyer there done through the process, but then file closed and stuff. Then it all blew up again. Kid ran away and then went back to the lawyer. Parents Mm. at that point don't even know where the child is, but the lawyer does. Whoa. Oh, interesting. Spicy. Yeah. She jumped in and maybe let's go. Maybe I should be back on. And there's a big fight. Huh. Why not? These kids have a right to be part of this process. They're, they're part of the family. That's yeah. my soapbox. If right. you're going to send your clients to watch this, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. my soapbox is remember your damn kids in this mess. Like, honestly, that's just the biggest message. They're part of this. They are not sofas. You're not fighting over property anymore. You're fighting over human beings. Yeah. You have emotions, brains, feelings. You need to keep those in mind when you're doing this stuff. And if you don't, you're ruining your children. And it's sad. That's, yeah. a, great, that's a great message to come from <laughs> soapbox. I like it. Always been my soapbox. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you sadly pointed to the examples before of some of your clients had attempted suicide. And I know we've chatted in previous episodes about how high conflict divorces can are considered adverse childhood experiences and they can cause effects that are akin to actual brain damage in children. So like you really are literally messing up your kids' brains um, if you engage in this protracted kind of high level um, conflict. Well, I sent you that link to the brain story, the family wellness center. Yes, the, the yeah. government of Alberta has set up this family wellness initiative and there's a website and they talk about the brain story and mm-hmm. how trauma and abuse and all this stuff is affecting development of a brain. There's yeah. one, it's just a little cartoon. It's very short and I do sometimes send it to parents. You should watch this. <laughs> it does explain mm-hmm. how. And nerve connections change. You have changed your child physically by doing this. Yeah. And it's not in a positive way. Right. Right. And everyone's lots of assurance that, well, but I'm not abusing my child. No, but this is enough trauma. It's a, it's hurting your child. Yeah. Fine. You're not out there, you know, beating him in the backyard with a stick, but uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. you're causing trauma to this child. Right? Yeah. 
You're That's changing, another. yeah, their neurochemistry yeah. and how they respond to stress then yeah. throughout the rest of their lives and their relationships as they grow older. They develop, exactly, yep. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, and that's one thing I do have to be cautious of when, with my job too, right? I'll have some, how come you haven't met with my kids in a long time? I, you should be meeting my kid again. Every time I meet with your child, I rip open that wound. Mm. I am tearing that scab off and making them just, let's discuss this again. Right? Yeah. So it's important to really like limit how often, like get the information you need, do what you need to do, but yeah, you're not regularly meeting. I'm not Mm -hmm. the therapist. Right. Therapists should be seeing them more often, probably, but not me. Right. Yeah. Right. It is. It's a bad situation. You see them. But I also see, like I said before, almost some healing in that they're finally being heard. Yeah. Yeah. And they actually think something's happening. Oh, they're listening to me. I am part of this. I am important. Mm. Finally getting a voice yeah. in, in between all the, in amongst all the noise that's going yeah. on. That's all they want. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all they need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a very important role that you play, Jeff. And I know you're, I mean, I know you're well-respected among we lawyers. I know the bench <laughs> respects you um, and respects your role. Um and just thank you. Thank you for all the work you do for kiddos <laughs> and families. And... I don't need thanks because I the thanks is seeing these kids happy. Mm. Honestly. Yeah. Sounds yeah. sort of cliche, I know, but yeah. I just changed one life. But <laughs> they're kids, so it does count, right? <laughs> like, of course. Absolutely yeah. it does. Yeah. yeah. All right. Any more questions? Kim, you didn't ask your money question. <laughs> a money question? <laughs> I'm so I mean, I'm stuck doing budgets and, and money all the time. But I, you know, I worry that people don't seek out certain types of assistance because they don't know what something costs and, and what they're in it for. Like, how many meetings could they expect and what would that cost? So, yes, that's always a question that's on my mind. And, Heather, I do appreciate you bringing that up. <laughs> Literally, and that's just, fair. Just a- you're right. It's another, it is one more expense, obviously. And I am one more expense. Here's the beauty is if it is a high conflict case and so legal aid takes it where I work, legal aid will take any high conflict case. They do not care about the financial requirements of the parents because the child is the client and the child's poor. So I can have any child from any family, any level of wealth and still being paid, charged the legal aid rate of $92.40, right? And normally the order will state that mom pays half, dad pays half. So you're now paying $46 an hour for me to be involved. Right. That's not so bad. Right? <laughs> so now, of course, there are lawyers in private practice who are doing this and they're charging, of course, much more. And that makes it tough. But even then, sometimes it's it's not that expensive all the time. 
sometimes, like I said, if you get us early or get us and it's, we can sometimes nip this in the bud pretty fast or mm. just hearing the voice is a wake up call for many parents. Like, Oh shit. And I have seen that. Like I'm quoting yeah. a parent. Oh shit. Right? Like, <laughs> they're like, Oh, or I've seen parents cry. I go in there and here's, and now I've gotten them crying because they're finally realizing what they've done and then we can start fixing it. And right. so it doesn't necessarily cost that much money in private practice that some people are doing hiring lawyers just to do a voice of the child report and a moment in time meeting. So it'll be like, seriously, that's only about three, four hours. Right. Okay. For me, depending on what's going on, I've had files where I've seen in the end, it's only been, I only did, like, didn't take me too long. I had a meeting, two, usually at least two meetings with the kids, because one with mom, one with dad. Go through the documents, meet with the parents. We're done. Like, I, it might be six hours. Right. But at 92, yeah. 40 an hour, is that worth it? Mm-hmm. You know, yes. for your kids? Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes, yeah. listeners. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> but at the same time, I have high-conflict files, right? So let's not kid ourselves. It's rarely six hours on right. those files. Right. Like you've heard me. I had a file working with this kid since she was 12. Mm -hmm. like, I've got files like I'm going to... Basically, I'm, I feel like sometimes I'm stepdad or had something with someone because I've just been with these children for so long mm -hmm. and watching them grow up. Mm -hmm. And that starts adding up. Of course it does. Yeah. Right. Files are this thick sometimes. So mm -hmm. you got to go digital, Jeff. <laughs> you said your files are this big. You got you to gotta scan those. I know. I know. But you have to remember, some of my stuff in my file is like, I can't go digital if I'm playing Lego. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to scribble notes and play Lego at the same time. <laughs> I, don't make me type on a tablet. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I know, oh, yeah. <laughs> Plus some of the things we do is like, oh, here's the picture Bobby colored. That's in my file too. Right? Right. <laughs> All this stuff is in my file. Yeah. Pictures of some of the Lego things they've done are on my mm -hmm. file. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's thick, but the so big ones, the big ones are going to cost money no matter what. Is there anything we uh, didn't cover that you've just been uh, dying to tell everyone? I don't think so. I got on my soapbox. Yeah. I want everyone to I want parents to understand what they're doing to their children when they're going through this, and to remember them and keep them in mind when they're trying to make up these plans, and be real about this and set it aside. Set it aside, people. Mm. So you like it or not, here's another part of my soapbox. Like it or not, if you're getting divorced or separated, you don't get to run away from each other. You are stuck with each other till your children are gone. And that's not 18. Yeah. There's still going to be a marriage. There might be a university grad. There might be grandchildren. Crikey, you want to spend time with your grandchildren? better spend time with your children you know like mm -hmm. you have to work this out you're not walking away it's yeah. not a couch where the couch is then put in your living room and you forget about it i think heather and i have uh, preached that same message on here before as well it's like uh, <laughs> you got to think long term you got to think picture the graduation are you there are you both there yeah what does that look like does it become more about you or is it about your children and you're just yeah. there peacefully both enjoying the experience mm -hmm. yes yeah, so you better learn to get along with each other 
Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to love each other anymore, but you're still parents. You're still like that family is still there. You're still family. Yeah. And in the eyes of your child, you're still family. So yeah. you can't just that bastard, you know, and forget about them. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or you're going to push your child away. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's important. Yeah. And ironically, those communication and cooperation skills sometimes can become more important after a separation because you're not sharing those moments. You're not there in the same home, seeing what's happening with the kids, hearing what happened with their friend at school last Tuesday or whatever it is. So those things and those skills become even more important sometimes and need to be worked on and toned and, and all of that yes. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Skills that perhaps if they had learned and worked on in grade 10 earlier, grade grade 10. 10. <laughs> this is all starting grade 10. <laughs> it should. Yeah. Should they not learn about what marriage really is in grade 10? Mm-hmm. Should they learn what it means to have a child in grade 10? Yeah, they learn about sex. They learn about the mechanics of it. Whoop de woo woo. You're gonna figure that out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so old that we didn't have sex ed. I figured it out. You know I mean? <laughs> but we got to make sure we teach them that. But don't teach them any of the stuff about what to do after. The consequences. They can just there are consequences. They got to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Well, and even teach about child support. Mm. Honestly. Uh-huh. Like this is these are what this is what it's all about. This is what a family is. This is what a child is. This is going to be like. So maybe he'll be a little more careful. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Dan. Yeah. Right, Dan. Yeah. All right, you yeah, convinced me. Right. I'm getting my uh, my tenth grader into uh, parenting preparation. Maybe I'll put him in the parenting <laughs> after separation. <laughs> <laughs> Close your cut. <laughs> I love it. I want to hear feedback yeah. on, on the, how I, that goes. You just, it was slip of the tongue, but it's actually what is brilliant parenting preparation course. There's a marriage prep courses. Why isn't there parenting prep courses? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'll go further. Mm-hmm. Why the hell don't you have to take it before you have a baby? Right? Like, I mean, but yeah. you can't force that, unfortunately. Yeah, I guess. You need yeah. a I license to drive a car. You don't need a yeah. license to raise a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Kim McDonald's. I think Jeff has done an extremely good job explaining all of this today, and uh, I am I'm I've found this one of the more the most interesting podcasts we've done. And I don't have children, and I don't know anything about this. I think I, don't I think you've done a really good job. <laughs> There's the real irony: I do not have children, and do not want children. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on the program, Jeff. Thank you. I hope, Thank you. So I hope much. it was helpful. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Great. Ab- absolutely. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been another episode of Access to Justice. Thanks for listening or watching. However, you've taken in today's episode. If you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the podcast, send an email to access to justice at gmail.com oh i'm sorry access to justice podcast at gmail.com that's with the number two and we'll do our best to get you an answer on an upcoming episode thank you bye
Any information in this video is general information only and is not, nor is it intended to be, legal advice. Watching this video does not create a lawyer-client relationship. You should always seek the advice of a lawyer or other qualified professional for advice regarding your individual situation. While we take care to ensure that the information contained in this video is accurate and up-to-date, we make no warranties or representations as to the suitability, completeness, or accuracy of the information contained in this video. Any reliance you place on the information is at your own risk. Kahane Law Office, Merrick Law, Heather Malarick Professional Corporation, Evan Clark Professional Corporation, Evan Clark, Heather Malarick, and any guests will not be responsible nor liable in any way for any content, including but not limited to any errors or omissions in the content, or for any loss or damage of any kind incurred as a result of any content communicated in this video, whether by Evan Clark, Heather Malarick, or by a third party. Kim McDonald is a financial advisor with Raymond James Limited. Information provided is not a solicitation, and although obtained from sources considered reliable, is not guaranteed. The view and opinions contained in this media are those of Kim McDonald, not Raymond James Limited. Securities-related products and services are offered through Raymond James Limited, member, Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, which is not a member, Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Raymond James advisors are not tax advisors, and we recommend that clients seek independent advice from a professional advisor on tax-related matters. Graceful fingers